Hello and good morning here from 90.9 The Light. This is In the Press Box here with myself, Riley Klingman, along my partner, Nathan McKinney. And we are very excited to uh, bring another day of news to you guys this morning here on Thursday morning at the Berg. It is just hit the top of the hour here at 9.04 a.m. in the Berg. A big weekend this weekend and this week in terms of LU sports. We got women's basketball later tonight at home. Um, and we have women's basketball on Saturday at home, and they play uh, Stetson tonight, and uh, that should be a good game. We're actually doing a uh, LU mock call for that on 90.9. The light is not going on the air, but guys will be calling that game, so uh, it'll be Scout and Joey tonight doing that. And um, this weekend, we have UNLV hockey coming coming up, and uh, it's a big series for the Flames. They're ranked number five in the ACHA currently, and UNLV is ranked number four. And folks, speaking of hockey, before we get going, I just wanted to play this highlight for you guys. But it's the Lightning who come up with the puck, and here comes Anthony Sorelli to Alex Kalorn, back to Sorelli, broken up by Bear, who then tripped over the Lightning player. There's a nice move, and Stamco scores! Goal number 500, and the Lightning are all going to come off the bench. As Steven Stamkos, at 4.40 in the first period, gets his milestone goal. He is the third the player to get 500 and the 47th in NHL history. Burroughs poked it around for Besser. He was tied up. Burroughs tried to go the other way, but waiting was Kalorn. Wrap around it's him. Now chance in front, and it's 4-0 as Stamkos has number 501. And we're going to see a goaltending change for Vancouver as Colin Delia will take over. 525 remaining in the first, and the Lightning up 4-0. JT Miller shoots, stopped by Elliott. Stamkos gets the loose puck. Passes to Kucherov, back to Stamkos for the hat-trick, scores! Steven Stamkos, on the night he gets his 500th goal, he becomes the 8th to score a hat-trick on the same night, scoring number 500, the 11th hat-trick of his career, and it's 5-2 Tampa. Well, his line mates combine, Steven Stamkos in front of the net by himself, Kalorn and Sorelli, the assists on number 500. Kalorn sets up Stamkos on the second one, and here's Kucherov on the third one, back and forth. Steven Stamkos puts it in the empty net. And folks, this happened last night. The Tampa Bay Lightning were playing the Vancouver Canucks. Steven Stamkos, 32 years of age for the Tampa Bay Lightning, put one he actually put three goals into the back of the net, but the first goal he scored last night would be his 500th goal. But, Nate, before we get into some analysis of the Steven Stamkos goals, why don't you plug our show's socials super quick? Our Twitter is going to be in the press box SP. That is in the press box SP. And then you can reach us out at our Yahoo email, thepressboxpod at yahoo.com. And then for my personal Twitter, you can find me at Sperry Sauce. Sounds good, Nate. And you know, we were we were looking at this a little bit last night, and this morning we also got a notification from ESPN that it had been done. And honestly, when I first read it last night, I kind of just kind of blew by it because I thought it was this rinky-dink player. And then I realized, oh, he's from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Nate, you kind of wrote down some notes, and he joins a pretty exclusive club in what he's done so far this season and in his career. And let alone, he's only thirty-two years of age, and. For a guy to be 32 years of age and already have 500 goals before his 1,000th game, I mean, that's got to be pretty spectacular. But, Nate, 
Are there any other stats you could tell us about this Stamkos hat trick and hitting his 500th goal that we should know about? Yeah. Um, Steven Stamkos, he sits at 502 goals with a hat trick in the same night. That is his 11th career hat trick, which is pretty crazy. He's the third active skater to score 500 goals, which joins an exclusive club with Alex Ovechkin and Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby, which is an incredible club. And then he's the 47th skater in NHL history to reach 500 goals. He's the 19th to do it before his 1,000th game, which is crazy to think about. And he also has already had his 1,000th point. He's at, standing at 1,024 points with 502 goals and 522 assists, which is incredible to think that he hasn't even got to a 1,000th game yet. Yeah, and also, according to the announcers, and credit to NHL for putting that video out, um, they had said, Nate, that the, there have only been eight players, and he is the eighth player to s- score his 500th goal and get a hat trick in the same night. Yep. And I think that's even more rare than some of those other things that you mentioned. But it definitely seems like, I mean, to be in a club with Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, I mean, come on. Those guys are some of the best in hockey right now. And, I mean, Ovechkin is getting close to 40, yep. or he, he might already be 40. I'm not 100% sure. Um. But, I mean, for him to be a part of that club, and Alex Ovechkin is still firing on all cylinders. I mean, he's scored a lot of goals, too. But for him to be a part of that group it's crazy. is pretty phenomenal. Yep. Now, another guy that was part of a pretty spectacular group, it was a national championship group from the University of Georgia. Wide receiver Lad McConkie is going to be returning for the 2023 season. He released this news late Tuesday afternoon, early Wednesday morning, and... uh Rightly so. I mean, a lot of people thought that this guy was going to go out for the NFL draft because this was the first year that he could declare, and he decided to come back. And uh definitely think that Kirby Smart is going to be happy that he's coming back. And, I mean, you know, Stetson Bennett is gone too. He, We all know he's entering the draft, and he's he had a phenomenal career and a phenomenal story with Georgia. Yeah. A guy that was previously a walk-on that won two national championship games is, I mean, that's hard to pass up. And for – uh Lad McConkie to stay at that university, it's just going to bring veteran experience into that room. And, I mean, he had 896 scrimmage yards last year. That counts passing yards and yards on the ground. And he had nine touchdowns in 2022. And he was injured for most of that year. So, for him to have nine touchdowns, and I, I'm, I'm almost 100% he didn't play in all the games. And uh, McConkie was a redshirt sophomore, and he was eligible to, to declare for the 2023 NFL draft, like I already said. And... Uh, and the uh, the deadline to declare came and went on Monday. So we, we would have known something by Monday or early Tuesday at the latest if he yeah. was going to declare for the NFL draft. But just to get into some more stats, in 2022 he had 58 receptions for 762 yards and 7 touchdowns. And on the ground he had 7 carries for 134 yards and 2 touchdowns. Um, and so this is just another big... Big get for the Georgia Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, he's he's kind of that, I mean, he's listed as a tight end on ESPN, but he's more yeah. of a wide receiver type because he's so fast. Yeah. And he's very physical. And, I mean, he's a small guy, but he's a vicious blocker, and he'll, he'll put you on your butt if you're in front of him. Definitely an asset for Georgia to keep him. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, definitely going to be a big part for this Georgia team if they want to make another run at a national championship to win their third one in a row, which I'm not even 100% if anybody's done that. I mean, if if there are people that have done that, it's very few. But, Nate, 
There's another guy, too, from the University of Maryland that's going to be going back um, to the team for 2023. And it's a guy by the name of Talia Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa's brother. He's a Maryland quarterback. He threw for 3,008 yards this past season and 18 touchdowns in 2022. There was a lot of suspicion that he was going to be coming out and going into the draft and declaring. Yeah. But he decided to stay. And I, I think that's good for him because he didn't have a great year, but he didn't have a bad year. And I think he wants to get that interception number down a little bit more. Yeah. It was around the 12, the 12 range. It was it, it was into above 10. And so I just think that he wanted to go back to Maryland. And maybe he felt like he had some unfinished business in the Big Ten. You know, Ohio State and Michigan have kind of uh, re-solidified that rivalry there. And, yeah. and, I mean, Maryland had a great team last year. And it just feels like maybe there's some unfinished business there. But Nate, Boston Red Sox fan, who did you guys acquire yesterday um, from free agency, and how do you feel about it? We picked up Adam Duvall. So he he played for the Atlanta Braves, and he wasn't part of the World Series team. And as a Red Sox fan, he's an outfielder. I think this is going to be a pretty good pickup. So over. Do you think you're? Do you think? Okay, so according to the deal, yeah, that we wrote down, yep. one year. Seven million dollars in performance bonuses based on how he plays. Yep. Now we all know last year, twenty twenty two. So basically, he started this little tandem. So twenty twenty or twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, he was with the Braves. Yeah. And then twenty twenty one, he was with the Marlins. Mm-hmm. And then the back half of that, he was with the Braves. And in that year, Nate, he clubbed thirty eight homers and drove in one hundred thirteen runs. So with knowing that stat, and last year he had an injury. So his stats were a little bit skewed. But do you think knowing that he has that type of potential, especially with you guys losing guys like Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, and infielder Trevor Story undergoing surgery to yep. his elbow before the season, and he, he's he, he's expected to miss a massive part of this season, do you think with knowing all that information and knowing a guy just a couple years ago, club 38 home runs and 113 runs, he's really not that old yet. He's only 34. Now, for baseball... That's yeah. getting up there in age, but for a guy like him, you know, what are you looking for for a guy to earn one year ten million dollars? Like, what is your magic number of home runs and runs batted in? Because he's a guy that's going to strike out a lot, but when he makes contact, let me tell you, Nate, he's going to hit doubles in the gap and hit home runs. And I think that green monster in left field really favors him because he's a pull hitter. Yeah, we need we need him as a Red Sox player to be able to. I want to see him at least in the little under a hundred runs, RBIs, run batters in. But this is this is how the Red Sox outfield is going to look. This is what I think. Okay, we're going to have Alex Verdugo in right field. We're going to have Enrique Hernandez in center, and then we're going to have Adam Duvall in left. And I really believe that Adam Duvall was one of the best pickups that Shane Bloom has had in this off season. We got Justin Turner. We re-signed Raphael Denver's, and we we picked up free agent Kenley Jansen, and then we got Adam Duvall. I think those are the three the. The greatest moves in the postseason, in the offseason that we've had. And I think Chain Bloom is kind of strange, especially because we lost Xander Bogarts because we weren't giving him enough money, which I think we should have we done what we could. We should have provided him what he wanted. We lost J.D. Martinez, which, I mean, whatever. And then Nathan Evaldi went to the Texans, and then now Trevor Story's getting a surgery, which is disappointing. But Adam Duvall is going to be an asset to our team. The one year, the one year contract will give him time to prove what he's gonna do, and then we're gonna see after the season if he's really worth 
and probably going to sign it on for a little bit longer. But we're going to have to see. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Chain Bloom, I think, has really produced the idea that he wants to build this team around Rafael Devers. I mean, that's that's been imminent. I mean, he gave him a massive deal. He's basically telling all Red Sox fans, we want this guy to stay here for his whole career. Yep. And right now he's just trying to get pieces that he knows have succeeded in the past, like Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen is old, but he's still a pretty darn good closer. And, you know, I just think for a GM that's trying to build a team after he lost quite a bit this offseason, and, yeah. you know, Nate, you, you also forgot to mention a guy, Justin Turner, because the Red Sox sent over J.D. Martinez and the Dodgers sent Justin Turner to the Red Sox. So, I mean, yes, Justin Turner is an older dude, but I think I think what Chain Bloom is doing is he's getting older guys, but he's getting guys that have had solid careers, and they've put together pretty good numbers over the course of their careers. I mean, Adam Duvall is not going to jump off the page in terms of average, but he's got power there. And now lastly, folks, another MLB player has retired. We talked about Travis Shaw on Tuesday. And uh, yesterday, David Phelps announced via his Twitter that he is retiring, and he was a relief pitcher for the Yankees, Marlins, Blue Jays, Mariners, Phillies, Cubs, and Brewers. Now, that's seven teams, Nate, that he's played for in the MLB. And um, this guy definitely had some ups and downs in his career. I, I remember watching him play for the Marlins. Um, he did he did pretty good with the Marlins. Um, I was looking through his stats. There was actually one year where he had like a 2.3 ERA in 65 games. It's pretty incredible. But, yeah. you know, for the most parts of his other – for the most other years of his career, he was very up and down. But last year for Toronto in his last year, he did phenomenal. 65 relief appearances, 283 ERA, 1.30 whip, 63.2 innings pitched. I mean, this guy was just electric last year. Yep. And, you know – a career ERA of 380 and a career whip of 1.32, 682 innings pitched. So this guy went through the ringer as a relief pitcher. And, uh, Nate, do you have any last words to talk about David Phelps, a great relief pitcher in the MLB? And, you know, it's kind of, it came as a surprise that he retired. But then again, he is getting to that back half of that age in the MLB where you need to kind of start thinking, hey, should I retire? Yeah. Should I stay in the league? And there's only so many guys that have that type of health yeah. to stay in the league. Yeah. For David Phelps, I think this is the right call because as you get older and obviously as a pitcher in the MLB, you become more injury prone. And I think this is the right call. He's had a very well-respected career playing for the Yankees, Marlins, Blue Jays, Marners, Phillies, Cubs, Brewers. Those are all well-respected ball clubs. So he's had a very good – he's had a very good – uh career and i think it's time to wrap it up for him all right folks don't go away when we come back the first window of the transfer portal has officially ended and we're going to break down the liberty university transfers that they were able to get since the jamie chadwell hiring folks don't go away You're listening to the press box here on 90.9 the light to buy your home you became a house hunting ace learned about loans scoured neighborhoods and asked the right questions now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. 
go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. After further reviews, now on Tuesdays here on 90.9 The Light. With Joey Palermo and Zach Wheeler, you are guaranteed to get the hottest takes, the deepest analysis, and the boldest predictions. And it's all here on 90.9 The Light every Tuesday from 5 to 7. You don't want to miss it. Also, download the 90.9 The Light app on the App Store and on the Google Play Store where you can listen on the go from anywhere you are. Right here on 90.9 The Light, music for our generation. Hey, this is Michael Tate with instructions on how to grow a Jesus freak. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to this life, just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever. Did you get that? Jesus freaks are dead to the ways of the world. And what's more, when they grow, others grow around them. More than a century ago, Charles Spurgeon put it this way, suffering saints are living seed. Are you a Jesus freak? Check out JesusFreaks.net. And welcome back into the Press Box here on 90.9 The Light. I almost wanted to say The Ball Boys because that was a show that I was on last semester in the spring semester before that with my good friend Joshua Lepowski, who uh, was the sports director here last semester, and he's moved on to big and better things at um, a place in Indiana where he's working for some high school sports and doing them on the radio. And uh, he's very much missed here at 90.9 The Light, so... Josh, if you're tuning in, um, hope you're doing well, and God bless to you. But uh, as far as our sports talk show goes here, let's let's get back to it. But before we get to the LU transfers, we've had some breaking news. Nate is for your Red Sox once again. It oh, feels geez. like, is it Chain Bloom or Shane Bloom? Chain. Chain Bloom. It's like Chain. You know? Oh, like Chain. Okay, like all right. Chain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you may or may not know this person, but you signed somebody to a minor league deal. It's not that big of a deal, but he's a speed threat. He can steal bags. He's played for the Blue Jays. He's played for the Colorado Rockies. It's a guy by the name of Rymel Tapia agrees to a minor league deal with the Boston Red Sox. Do you have any idea who that is? I'm not going to lie, Riley. I really don't. But we signed this guy, but we reassigned Jeter Downs. Do you know anything more about this? No, I don't I don't know anything more about this right now, but as soon as and, – and I would assume that there's no – article out there right now that no. says if Rymel Tapia has gotten invited to um, the minor or not the minor leagues. Spring He's training. obviously yes, spring training. Thank yeah. you, Nate. Holy cow. Words are hard this morning. It's okay. Um, and then there's there's one other little bit of breaking news that I'm going to say before that I forgot to say in the previous segment. Um, Field Yates and Adam Schefter have been announcing what teams for NFL are going to be playing in Europe this season. Yep. And uh, we have the Jaguars they're going to play in Wembley Stadium in London. And this is this is according to Field Yates' Twitter. The Bills and Titans are going to play in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. And the Chiefs and Patriots will play in Germany. And those are just going to be the home teams for those games. Yeah. But, um, and the Dolphins play three, 
they play three of those teams on the road next season. So it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see if the Dolphins get to play either of those either the Bills, Patriots, or Chiefs at one of those stadiums. Yeah. And I assume that will more than likely happen. But folks, let's dive into the uh, Liberty football transfers. We have eleven of them joining the team um, through the first window, and it ended yesterday, January the eighteenth. It lasted from December fifth until yesterday, um, Wednesday the eighteenth, and um, you know. We got 11, but you could basically say nine because we had nine guys transfer from colleges and we had two guys transfer from junior college, um, which is technically a commit, but it's also a transfer. It's, it, it is really confusing how this all works, folks. So, um, But let's just dive right into it. So um, the plan is we're going to go all the way back to the first transfer and we're going to work our way up to the most recent one, which committed yesterday. Um, so the first one committed on December the 21st, 2022. It's weird to say 2022 as we're now in 2023. It really is. Um, running back Quinton Cooley from Wake Forest commits to Liberty. 5'9", 213-pound running back. He had 51 carries, 246 yards, three touchdowns this past season. He, he also had three receptions for 25 yards, so not really a threat in the passing game. But then again, he didn't really get to start last season, so... No, um, maybe the Flames could use him in a little bit different of of a way. Yeah, but let me tell you, folks, the Flames running back room is going to be good, and you're going to see why here in in just a little bit. He's going to be a junior, and uh, Jamie Chadwell said that running back was going to be one of the big positions to go out and get yep. in his initial press conference after the signing day happened for all those commits that he was able to get to. I believe we got 13 of those as well, so we can add here about 24, 25 players, and there's still another transfer window. To go, not going to happen until May 1st to May 15th. That's a 15-day window, yeah. and it seems like a lot of colleges during that window, you know, there's more transfers on the block, and they're not all going to be able to find a home, but that's when all these schools, they're not in desperation mode, but they're getting to that mode, so they're going to get a lot of transfers to come to their program. Yeah. But Nate, what are some last-minute, not last-minute, but what are, what are your thoughts on this Quentin Cooley transfer get for the Flames? For losing a running back having him transfer out, Dady Hunter. I think Quentin Cooley's going to bring a little bit of experience. I mean, yes, you said he wasn't a starter. He didn't get to see the field as much as he probably wanted to. But I definitely think coming from Wake Forest, and obviously he has a little experience. I mean, 51 carries for 246 yards. That's pretty decent, and I think he's going to he's gonna be a definitely an asset for Liberty. For sure. And um, he also has a three years of eligibility because he's going to be a junior this next year. Yeah. And with the COVID year, he can have an extra one. So maybe he stays here for all three. Maybe he stays here for two. But I honestly think however many years we get out of him, we're, we're going to get a really good guy at tailback. And another yeah. tailback that has transferred to Liberty, he transferred on the 31st of December. Another running back, James Joyner Jr. He uh, transferred over from Arkansas, six foot, 217-pound back, the biggest back on the roster currently. He was a freshman this past year at Arkansas. He still has four years of eligibility left. Yep. He only had three carries for nine yards, so I didn't even really put that in there because he didn't get a whole lot of playing time. No. And in his initial commitment, Nate, to Arkansas, what were some of the schools that were on his radar, and why is this such a big transfer get for the Flames? During his uh, In high school, he had uh, James had, uh, he had Florida State, Missouri, Tennessee, Michigan State, and he chose Arkansas over that. 
during his season at Arkansas, he only saw the field once, and that was against Auburn, and that was in a blowout game with Auburn and Arkansas. And as you said, he only had nine yards for three carries, which, I mean, there's not a lot of stats to base off to base off about about how he's going to do at Liberty. But one thing I can say, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. There's something to say for that, you know? I also feel like, Nate, and if you could tell me if you agree with me, but I feel like something Liberty was missing this past year was a big back. Yeah. I mean, we had a guy like Michael Bollinger on the roster, which he was listed as a tight end, but he looked like a fullback, number 30 on the team. And I just think adding a guy like James Joyner to the roster, that's a 217-pound back, and he's also six feet tall. I mean, that's a load coming at you. Yeah. And for these for these teams in the Conference USA, I mean, it's getting me fired up, dude. Like, I mean, yes, I saw our schedule, and it doesn't it doesn't really jump off the it doesn't really jump off the page at you. But like, I'm excited to see these see these guys in action, yeah. and I'm excited to see James Joyner Jr. out on that football field. And now we have guys in the running back room like Shedro Lewis. Quinton Cooley, James Joyner Jr., Day-Day Hunter has officially withdrawn his name from the transfer portal. So this is a deep running back room. And, you know, with all these guys in there, maybe maybe we put a Shedro Lewis in the slot yeah. with his type of speed. You know, I mean, maybe Jamie Chadwell just experiments for the first season because we are we are in a we are in a conference that is very favorable favorable for the Liberty Flames. Yeah. And if but, we don't if and if we don't if we don't compete and dominate in that conference, then I think the program definitely has some problems that we really need to really zoom in on and focus. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, Jamie Chadwell also said that a quarterback was a big thing that he wanted to try and get yeah. in the portal. Um, folks, if, if you guys want to go back and listen to Jamie Chadwell's um, press conference after the early signing period, you can go on YouTube and literally type in exactly what I just said, and you can find it. And towards the end of it, he basically said that we need quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. He said you can never have enough well, you, you can never have too many offensive linemen and he said that if you can win in the trenches and at quarterback you have a chance. Yeah. And that is very true. You know why? Just look at Georgia in that national championship game, man. Both sides of the ball. Both sides of the ball, defensive line, offensive line and quarterback. Yeah. It gives you a chance yeah. to win games. And speaking of quarterback, Liberty signed a transfer quarterback on the 9th of January, quarterback Trey Lowe. He transferred from Southern Miss. He's 6'2", 235 pounds. In 2022, he was 62 for 119 for 52.1 completion percentage. 965 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Excuse me. He will be a senior, and he also had 130.7 um, rating, and he had a 35.1 quarterback rating. And, um, you know, I, I kind of already said – that Jamie Chadwell was looking for a guy. Um, but, Nate, do you think this guy could get the starting job here at Liberty, or do you think he's kind of a a decent backup at best? Because you have to think we also have guys like Caden Salter, Nate Hampton, Jonathan Bennett. I just think that both of us can at least agree we don't want to see four quarterbacks in the game again. We can't have that again. Especially going into into the Conference USA, because at some point we're going to face a good team and they're going to sniff sniff that out. Yeah, with Hugh Freeze and that whole four quarterback situation. Personally, I really don't think that's good for team chemistry at all. When you have a different guy coming on the field, despite injuries, you have a different quarterback coming on the field every single week, progressively. And it's 
it's just not good for the team. And I don't know if we're going to see Trey Lau as a starting quarterback, but I definitely see he could be getting some reps in the future season coming. Yeah, and, and, and moving on to another guy that decided to transfer to Liberty on the 9th of January. There was a span of three days for the Flames, Nate, where we got seven transfers. Yep. 9th, 10th, and 11th. I mean, the Flames did fantastic um, with getting those transfers. And I mean, not trying to count Dede as a transfer, but I count that in the mix because he withdrew his name from the portal. And that was a guy that really did fantastic on offense for us last year. Huge. And... Um, so another guy that committed on January the 9th was wide receiver Errol Rogers Jr. from Louisiana. 5'11", 196-pound wide receiver. He had 59 receptions, 524 yards, two touchdowns in three years. And he's going to be a junior this next season. Nate, his stats don't jump off the page, but I just think that this guy can really be a good presence in the locker room yep. for this team and for Jamie Chadwell and be a leader on the field. And he could also see some playing time as well because we lost guys like Demario Douglas, Davion Lofton, um, Caleb Sneed. Like, we, we lost a lot of big-time wide receivers from this past year. Actually, Javion Lofton transferred out of the university, and I, I always will, will remember Javion Lofton now for that one-handed catch he made at Old Dominion. But, That's you know, epic. yeah, and let alone from this guy's stats, like, do you think that he's going to bring that presence to the locker room for the Flames that's going to really be a great thing for us? I here's I I think he's gonna be an asset to the team in some way in some form of building the team up as it should be and I think his presence is gonna be known in the locker room either way whether he's dominating on the field but I definitely think he could be a potential leader for the team eventually yeah and, and moving on to January 10th where the Flames were able to get three commit three transfers this day no excuse me four transfers this this was the biggest transfer day for the flames in the first window of the transfer portal they were able to get safety rj roderick from south carolina six foot 207 pound safety he had 204 tackles three pass deflections four forced fumbles and two interceptions in five seasons and that was even playing um two seasons due to an injury and he got limited playing time yeah but how much does this help the Flames adding a safety from the SEC that has that SEC experience that can play right when he gets to university, that can succeed in playing in the Conference USA, and that can give the Flames a guy in the secondary that, that they can count on and a guy that they can trust? For Jamie Chadwell, this is your guy. RJ, RJ Roderick, from coming from the SEC, has the experience that we're looking for. And... The safety position was one of those positions that Jamie Chadwell was looking for, and especially getting him from the SEC. That's exactly what we want for a program. Yeah, and the next the next transfer has a very good relationship with Tony Washington, who's the Flames' new wide receivers coach. Yep. And there's actually two guys that transfer from West Virginia that, you know, you'd think that they had a great relationship with Tony Washington, otherwise they wouldn't be transferring to yeah. Liberty. But it's wide receiver Reese Smith. Oh, uh, he came from West Virginia, as I already said, 5'10", 187 pounds. He had 42 catches for 457 yards, two touchdowns in three years there. And he has two years of eligibility left. And he's another guy that just adds depth to the wide receiver position that we need and a guy that has a really solid relationship with the wide receivers coach, Tony Washington. And the other guy from West Virginia that committed on this day was offensive lineman Jordan White. 
6'2", 298-pound offensive lineman. He played mostly center, which is what the Flames need. Um, you know, our, our centers have been good. It's just, you know, yes, you want a guy that's going to get the ball back to your quarterback, but you want a guy that's going to block. Yeah. And this guy had a great resume at West Virginia. Didn't play much, but when he did, he played pretty good. Yeah. He's got a lot of eligibility left because he was a freshman last year at West Virginia. And the last transfer that the Flames would get on this day is safety Brandon Bishop, six foot one hundred ninety four pound kid from Louisiana. He was initially committed to Alabama. So if that tells you anything about a guy we're getting at safety, I think having Brandon Bishop and R.J. Roderick on the back end of this secondary after losing guys like Javon Scruggs and Rocket Rahimi, Javon Scruggs is gone and Rocket Rahimi is at SMU now. Yeah. But Nate, how much confidence does it give? give you having those two guys at the back end of this defense and what can you tell me about Brandon Bishop so he was initially committed to Alabama that obviously tells you something about how dominant of a safety he was especially in high school and going into college so I think I think between him this is going to be good for our backfield this is what we need this is what this is what Jamie Chadwell wants to fill he had 62 tackles three PDs Two interceptions in three years. Watching film on this kid, he's fast, gritty, and determined. He averaged 28 and a half tackles during the years of 21 and 22. This is a guy we need for the Flames. I agree, Nate. And, you know, I think having those two guys at the back end of your defense gives you a chance. Yeah. I mean, no. And RJ Roderick is going to coach him up. You already know that. Oh, with yeah. With him playing five years at South Carolina and coming over here to Liberty for his final year. Maybe, maybe there was just some some unwanted things, and we, we don't really know why he left South Carolina, but I definitely think having those two guys in the back end is really going to help us out. Yeah. And the final two transfers, they, they committed a week apart from each other are two tight ends. Um, tight end Billy DeRocher transferred to the Flames on the 11th of January. He used to be at uh, Saddleback Community College, He's a 6'4", 235-pound tight end. He's got two years of eligibility left. And he only played one out of the two seasons when he was there. He played in six games. He had nine receptions for 65 yards and two touchdowns. And according to his film, I mean, this kid's a vicious blocker. It's basically like having a sixth offensive lineman out there. Yeah. And, I mean, for, for the Flames to have a tight end that wants to do that, he's going to be able to get rewarded with those throws. Most definitely. Nate, can you explain to us that the other tight end we got last night to close out the Wednesday window, and this was according to his bio in his Twitter where it said, T.E. at Liberty Football. So when I read that, I'm like, okay, this kid's here because I, I, I had read it somewhere else on Twitter at first, and it said that sources had confirmed it, but I wanted to just confirm again. But, Nate, tell us about this kid from Coastal. Jacob Jenkins. He is a stud. Obviously, he has connections with Jamie Chadwell as he was the former coach for Coastal Carolina. This kid, in the 2022 season, he had 11 receptions for 149 yards and, f- and accounting for five touchdowns. So this guy's going to be an asset, definitely. And, and Jamie Chadwell always ha- obviously has confidence in him to be able to bring him on to Liberty. Definitely. And, and shout-out to the 90.9 um, radio station. I mean, we are doing a talk show here, but on Twitter, they, somebody had – um, put out there that Jacob Jenkins was a guy to keep an eye on yeah. for possibly transferring to the Flames. And they had put that out there about a week ago before this happened. And lo and behold, he's here. 
and he's a tight end that can make an impact right off the bat. Definitely. And folks, don't go away. We're going to break down the NFL playoffs, the Super Wild Card weekend. Four games happening, four exciting games. We got a team that came back against the Chargers. We have a another rematch that everybody wanted to see happen. Folks, don't go away. You're listening to the Press Box here on 90.9 The Light. Philadelphia local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Tune in to the pregame warm-up on 90.9 The Light. Listen to hosts Zach Wheeler and TJ Wilkerson team up with some of the newest faces in sports radio as they prepare you for the weekend's action. The pregame warm-up starts Saturdays at 10 a.m. Listen live on the air or on the Light app on the App Store or on the Google Play Store. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. Hey, indeed. Um, later today, you guys can find Around the Cooler here on the 90.9 The Light Airwaves with... Scout Hughes and Jarrett Harper from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. So make sure you guys tune into that show here on the 90.9 The Light Airwaves. And then later today, Ethan Richmond is going to be doing his first talk show of the semester, bringing you guys Real Talk Sports with Joey Palermo from 4 to 6. And then later tonight, we have women's basketball right here on 90.9 The Light. Jamie Hall will be on the call. And... um. That's gonna that the pregame is gonna start at six thirty for that, so make sure you guys tune in, and uh, it should be a really good game as the Flames take on Stetson. That's always a rivalry. It was a good game last year when I called it, and uh, make sure you guys tune into that. But in terms of in the of of the press box here, Nate, let's dive into some NFL Super Wild Card Weekend playoffs, and uh, we're gonna kind of go in order here, folks, of the games that are happening. So at four thirty. On Saturday, we have the Jaguars taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Nate, what can you tell us about that? What what are the what do the Chiefs have to do to win this game? Coming off a coming off a bye week, like what has Patrick Mahomes done historically in games like this? For Patrick Mahomes to be able to beat Jacksonville, they need to keep the turn the turnover margin close. 
Only one stat where the Chiefs fall terribly short, turnover differential. The Chiefs finished the regular season with minus three turnover differential, tied for for 22nd in the league. That is the worst. That's worse than the Chicago Bears and the Texans. And then they're the worst in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes' stats the first two rounds, though, kind of go with the win, the win percentage. He's 5-0. He has a 71 completion percentage. His passing yardage is 327.2. And his touchdowns are 14-1. and And his passing rating is 119.1. Patrick Mahomes need to keep these statistics going. He needs to keep the trend going. But the defense needs to be able to get the turnovers up. Well, I mean, good news for the Kansas City defense. I mean, they're playing a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that threw four interceptions in the first half. Very vulnerable. In the... Uh, in the wild card matchup yep. against the Chargers, and then he came. In, I mean, he threw one touchdown in that first half, but he didn't throw a single pick in the second half and threw three touchdowns and brought that team all the way back. Yeah. So the Chiefs can't take this team lightly. Now the Chiefs should win this game. Definitely. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs are coming off a week off, and the Jaguars are coming off a week where they have played. So yes, the Chiefs have had a lot longer time to prepare to play the Jaguars. But, you know, the Jaguars have played that playoff game. They've kind of gotten those, not necessarily all the jitters out of their system, but most of the jitters out of their system. And so I just think it'll be interesting to see, like, will the Chiefs have a slow start or will Patrick Mahomes and his receivers, mainly Travis Kelsey, be firing on all cylinders? And Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the playoffs without a a weapon like Tyreek Hill, but he's already proved to all of us that he's going to spread the ball around. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, for Kansas City... They have a 78% chance of winning this game. But if we want to see a world where the Jaguars actually do upset Kansas, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest things that the Jaguars need to focus on is their defense. They need to be able to shut down Patrick Mahomes and mainly focus. I mean, you got to look at Travis Kels. He's one of the biggest weapons for the Kansas, and that's one thing. The, the secondaries make sure they cover. They need to shut down Travis Kels. Now moving on to the nightcap at 8.15, we have the New York Giants facing the Philadelphia Eagles. This is an NFC East rivalry. There's three NFC East teams in this second round of the playoffs, Nate. Did you ever think that was going to happen? No. Like last year, the NFC East was at the bottom. It was a trash can. It was horrible. And now you have three NFC East teams that are in it. Huge turnaround for them. And you know, but you know why? I mean, dude, if, the Buccaneers were in the playoffs. They were 8-9. and nine. Yeah. I just don't think the NFC has quite the competition like the AFC does. No, not even and, close. And that's nothing against the NFC. No. It's just I definitely it's just agree, how though. things are. And going into this game, the Eagles have an 81% chance of beating the Giants. But I think if Saquon Barkley can have a big game like he did against the Vikings and the Giants can pick up yards on the ground against that Eagles defensive front seven, yep. I think they can ha- it can prove dividends in the passing game because – I mean, everybody thought they only had Darius Slayton, but they have other guys like Hodgins and Lawrence Cager who's put some weight on since he was at Miami and he was a tight end. And, I mean, I I, I don't think you should ever count anybody out. No. But I think if there is one game that you should really pay attention to, I definitely think that it's this Giants-Eagles game. I don't think it's going to be as big of a deficit as people think. And, Nate, what are the keys for the Giants, speaking of talking about how this game is not going to be as bad as people think, what are the keys for the Giants to beat the Eagles? We need the Giants to slow down the fast pace and elite offense fast. 
They need to be able to pressure Jalen Hurts as much as possible and shut them down early if they want to see a chance. Giants offense will handle itself, but the defense really needs to step up this weekend. And just to go with the defense along with that, they need to avoid long drives. All season, the New York Giants defense has been out, out on the field entirely way too long. If they want to avoid that in the playoffs, this game needs to be a test to see if their defense can avoid being on the f- field too long. They have a tendency for staying out there too long on third down defense. The Giants blitz the highest in the league on third down, and they still can't get after the quarterback. This is a major test for the Giants defense, but the offense will take care of itself, I think. Yeah, but Nate, you you say this is a major test for the Giants, but you have to think it's a major test for the Eagles as well. I mean, they're in the same boat as the Chiefs, not playing last week, having two weeks to prepare for the Giants. So you would think that the Eagles would be the team to take this one away. Yep. But... You, you run into the same issues that the Chiefs might run into. You might get a slow start. You might have a couple defensive possessions that don't go your way. It might take you a while to get things going. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the keys for the Eagles knowing that they've had a week off last week and they've had two weeks to prepare and they might get to a slow start? We need Jalen Hurts to come right off the bat. I mean, the offense is a big part of the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. They need a... They need to dominate on offense. And then another thing that they need to do is the Eagles need to be able to take care on defense because Daniel Jones, he's a good quarterback. They got the offense. But you also got to focus on the Giants' run game. Saquon Barkley, we both know he's one of the best in the league. They need to be able to stop him. I mean, if Saquon Barkley gets going, he's going. Daniel Jones gets going, he's elite. He's been playing good. So you got to be able to stop that. Yeah. And lastly, before we move on to the Bengals and Bills game, the uh, first game on Sunday, um, one thing about Jalen Hurts that kind of makes me nervous for the Eagles is he is coming off that injury, and he really needs to kind of put a good game together, and it just felt like he wasn't really able to do that yeah. in in the past game. And, I mean, it is a playoffs, and the Eagles are a really good football team. Yeah. I think they'll be able to put it together. But... Time will tell, Nate. The game's yep. happening on Saturday at 8.15. Now, moving on, the, the first game on Sunday at 3 o'clock, we have the Bengals against the Bills. Bengals did not look good against the Ravens last week. Um, definitely think the Bengals need to play a better game if they want to compete with the Bills. But Josh Allen didn't have a good game either. No. I mean, he threw two picks against the Dolphins secondary that had four guys not playing. The Bills' defense allowed 31 points to a Dolphins team that was starting their third-string quarterback. So there's a lot of question marks for both teams. Um, both teams are very um, even in terms of stats. The Bills' defense is doing a little bit better in yards allowed, but both both offenses are firing on all cylinders, and the Bills have a 65% chance of winning this game. And I, I just think this game is going to be really good, and I, th- I, I think the key for the Bills is they need to stop the Bengals' weapons, and they need to get to Joe Burrow. Yeah, They need to get through that offensive line and put pressure on Joe Burrow to make a play. And same thing with the with the Bengals. I mean, the Dolphins were able to sack Josh Allen seven times last week. Yeah, there's obviously a weak spot there. I mean, and Josh Allen fumbled the ball one time, too, so the Bills had three turnovers. The Dolphins were able to return it for a touchdown. So I think both teams have to put pressure on the other quarterback and make the Bills and Bengals running backs run the football. Most definitely. I think think whichever team can run the football better, it's going to open up the passing passing lanes a little bit more. Yeah. And, Nate, to move on to the nightcap, I'm going to give the floor to you. Cowboys and the 49ers... 
you guys actually have a per- you guys have the percentage to win the game. I'm kind of surprised by you that. You have a 50 percent chance of winning this game against the 49ers with Brock Purdy. I'm so sorry, Nate, but I'm I'm rooting for Brock Purdy. Um, I'm hopping on that 49ers train, Steve Stillwell, wherever you are. Um, I really hope the 49ers win this game, and I hope that Brock Purdy, mystery irrelevant, can lead them to the Super Bowl because maybe it'll make some teams think about that pick a little bit more during the draft. But Nate, really quick. Sum this up in a minute or two before we take a break. Sorry, Steve. This is the end of Brock Purdy's run. Mr. Irrelevant, he's going to be irrelevant again. But, I mean, he's obviously probably going to be the starter next year. But one thing that killed the Cowboys last week was obviously a few goals against Tampa. And, you know, I'm kind of surprised. They're still going with Brett Maurer. But but they did sign kicker Tristan Viscano just for insurance. But in order to see the Cowboys to be able to beat the 49ers. Dak needs to be stepped. He needs to be locked in just as he was with Tampa. The weapons open up. CeeDee Lamb, Tony Gallup, and Ezekiel Elliott, they'll all be there if Dak's going. And we need to see a clean game. No interceptions, no turnovers, no unnecessary turnovers. But in my opinion, the 49ers do have the odds in this. The San Francisco, their defense usually steps up in the second half, but if Dak Prescott does get going in the first half, they need to be able to step up and do that. Their defense is the key and cannot let Dak get going. They need to impose and disrupt Kellen Moore's play calling. Simply as that. It's going to be a good matchup. This is the last thing I'll say about this game. But if the Dallas Cowboys can get to Brock Purdy as a quarterback and put pressure on him and give him different looks, yep. I think that's where he beat him. Yeah, Because he's a rookie in the NFL. Um. He, he's always going to have to change play calls and things like that. And I think if the Cowboys defense can disguise looks and give them different looks, I think they have a secondary that's good enough to compete with the weapons that the San Francisco 49ers have. But they do have a lot of weapons. And, yeah. I mean, the main one you have to stop is Christian McCaffrey. And if you don't stop him, you're, you're in for a world of hurt. Yeah. Folks, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to give our score predictions for all these Super Wild Card games. Make sure you guys stay tuned in. You're listening to the Press Box here on 90.9, The Light. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Flames Nation, this is Liberty Field Hockey head coach and proud Flames Club member, Nikki Parsley-Blocker. I want to take the opportunity to say thank you to all Flames Club members for supporting our team as we pursue excellence on and off the field. Winning a Big East championship and making the national championship game were huge moments for our program and would not be possible without your support. If you aren't a member, join today by going to libertyflamesclub.org. Membership starts at only $75. Join the team behind the team. Go Flames. Hey everybody, it's time for today's STEM tip. 
Want to know how to make your selfies even better? Okay, let's use science. The best time for photos is golden hour. That's the moment right before the sun sets, when the atmosphere scatters blue and violet wavelengths, making perfect, soft, and golden selfie light to show off that beautiful face of yours. Click. Check out She Can STEM for more inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back into the Press Box here on 98.9 The Light. This is Ryan Klingman alongside Nathan McKinney. Well, let me tell you, this Super Wild Card weekend is going to be a crazy train. Yep. What a great song there to end this uh, talk show right before our last segment here. Folks, we're going to get to some quick score predictions for you. Nate, we're just going to go through the same order that we did above when we were giving our thoughts on the games. So the first game we have is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Jaguars. Kansas City is an eight and a half point favorite. Nate, what says you about this game for score? Chiefs win forty three to fourteen. They blow them out. Wow. Okay. Um, I have the game being a little bit closer. I have the Chiefs beating the Jaguars thirty four to twenty four. I just think the Jaguars showed some grit this past weekend, and um, I can't wait what to. I can't wait to see what Trevor Lawrence is going to do after a win and being able to put together such a good second half with a lot of trust from Doug Peterson right now. Nate, what says you with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles squaring off against the New York Giants? And the Eagles are a seven and a half point favorite right now. I think it's going to be a wee bit closer, but I think the Eagles get away with a win, twenty four to twenty one. Yeah, I have a very similar thought. To that, I mean, the Eagles' defense has been good, but I think the Giants are going to be able to put up a 30 bomb on them. Yep. And I think the Eagles are going to take this game by 6, 37-31. And then let's let's bring it over to Sunday, the early game at 3 o'clock. We have the Bengals squaring off against the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are a 5.5-point favorite. I have the Bengals winning this one 42-37. I think it's going to be a shootout due, yep. due to both defenses. Kind of. I mean, the Bengals' defense played okay. Bills' defense not so much against a third-string quarterback. Nate, what says you? In my opinion, this is a game of the weekend, and the Bills are going to beat the beat the Bengals 34-24. to And the nightcap game, your Cowboys against the San Francisco 49ers, and the San Francisco 49ers have a four, are, are, are predicted to win by four points, and uh, I, I have the 49ers beating the Dallas Cowboys 41-24 to by 17. Nate, of, of course you're going to pick the Cowboys to win, but how bad is it going to be? Dallas wins 27-14. Wow. Okay, folks, that's all the time we have here um, on the Press Box. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and uh, we hope you guys have a great rest of your day. The future's here and we belong. She can sell, she can do more. I'd build a rocket and watch it soar. Or clean the oceans and make the world a better place. Learn more at Cheek and STEM. A message brought to you by the Ad Council. You are not going to want to miss the Ball Boys. Join in on the fun as Riley Klingman and Joshua Lepowski go in detail about all the sports that you watch. I mean, they were undefeated, went all the way to the state championship game. All it is are two college kids that are getting away from the busy life of school to talk about the sports that they love. The Eagles had the best draft. Tune in every Saturday at 11 a.m. on thelightonline.com or on the 90.9 mobile app.
Sarah's worried about her husband. Jack has been coming home later than usual, blaming long hours at the office. But Jack doesn't work in an office. He works in a local cinnamon bun shop. Sarah's also finding hair that isn't hers. One day, Jack leaves the house in a hurry, using the cinnamon shortage crisis in Sri Lanka as an excuse. So, Sarah follows his car to a building right off Route 29. There, sure enough, she finds her husband in a position most compromising, <gasps> the downward dog with a tabby cat curled up on his back. Now, cat yoga at the Lynchburg Humane Society is something they do together. And for $10 a session, you too could perfect your chaturanga surrounded by friendly felines. Call now to find out when the next session is at 434-448-0088 or lynchburghumane.org. It won't solve the Sri Lankan cinnamon crisis, but it might help you find your zen. Just don't hide it from your wife. <laughs>